With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From API, this is Energy Tomorrow Radio, your source for information and conversation about the most important energy issues of the day. Welcome to Energy Tomorrow Radio. I'm your host, Jane Van Ryan. Global climate change continues to be in the news these days. It was discussed at the recent Group of Eight meeting. U.S. Congress is debating the pros and cons of bills aimed at reducing the threat of climate change. And economists are weighing the costs and benefits of various provisions included in the House of Representatives' climate proposal. But is anyone doing anything right now to reduce the greenhouse gases that are blamed for rising temperatures? The answer is yes. And Thomas Tanton, president of T2 and Associates, is here today to discuss the results of a study he conducted into this very question. Welcome, Tom. Thank you. First of all, we really should acknowledge that this study was commissioned by API. Um, But in a nutshell, what did you discover? In a nutshell, what I discovered is that American firms, including the oil and gas industry, have been and are investing billions of dollars into technologies and fuel sources that reduce greenhouse gas emissions. We're talking about $132.8 billion over the time period of 2000 to 2008 uh, by North American firms, including global firms that have a major presence in the uh, North American market. How did you compile these figures? Well, basically what we did is we looked at public sources, uh, company annual reports, uh, press releases, uh, investor news uh, items and things of that sort, and created a a fairly large uh, database. And then we sliced and diced that database into various technology categories, uh, different investor type categories and whatnot, and added the sums up. Very good. Well, let's drill down a little further. You mentioned the oil and natural gas industry here in the, in the U.S. Um, and in all of North America, investing in greenhouse gas mitigation technologies. How are they doing that? What are they investing in? Well, a lot of what they're investing in is uh, new technologies that, for one example, is combined heat and power, or otherwise known as cogeneration. Uh, They're improving the efficiency of their operations. They're investing in advanced technology vehicles in cooperation with the automakers. They are investing in renewables, uh, solar and wind, for example, as well as a host of other technologies that, while the primary impetus for investing in those technologies may not be to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, nevertheless, they do reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And what types of the technologies that they're investing in are making up the largest share of this funding overall? The oil and gas industry is investing primarily in what I refer to as energy technologies, uh, combined heat and power, uh, more efficient processes, and things of that sort. Energy's uh, technologies represent about 62% of the total investments made by the oil and gas industry. And what's the second largest share of their investments? The second largest share, uh, coming in at about 
is uh, what I refer to as fuel substitution. Things like uh, natural gas, liquefied natural gas, that would replace or substitute for uh, higher carbon-emitting technologies like coal. How much of the oil and natural gas greenhouse gas mitigation investments are made in wind, solar, and other renewables? Well, we we refer to those as non-hydrocarbon technologies, including uh, ethanol, for example, as well as wind and solar for electric generation. That represents about 12% or $6.8 billion uh, over the time period. And how does that compare with the amount that's being invested by other industries or perhaps the federal government into renewable technologies? Well, the federal government uh, has a a smaller total amount, uh, but their their percentage invested in non-hydrocarbons, the renewable fuel technologies, for example, uh, represents about 32% of their total $19.2 billion. When you look at the oil and natural gas industry's investments into solar, wind, and other renewables, uh, how large would you say that investment is? Does it amount to a fair amount, uh, or does it account for a fair amount of the investments being made in those technologies overall? Uh, yes, it does. Uh, the oil and gas industry invested about 22% of the total investment of $30 billion uh, for all investor types in the non-hydrocarbon category, the renewables technologies, the wind and solar, et cetera. Uh, So it's it's almost a quarter of the total amount. Did you find that surprising, Tom? I didn't find it surprising to me, but that's because I've been involved in energy for almost 40 years, and you'll see advertisement by by some companies like BP, you know, they they have a big push in solar, uh, and Shell has had a big push in wind. Um, so it wasn't particularly surprising to me, but it, it might be to some, some readers. Now, you conducted a similar study a few years ago. Have oil and natural gas industry investments into fuels of the future risen or fallen over the past several years? They've increased... Uh, compared to the prior study, but that's in part because there's two additional years of time to invest. Uh, in some particular technologies, they've dropped off a little bit. In other technologies, they've they've actually increased, and it kind of depends on the, the, the status of the technology. Has it uh, broached the threshold of commercial availability when all of a sudden investments tend to pick up because it's it's less laboratory and it's more you know, bricks and mortar. Uh, so in general, even given the fact that we're in a global recession, investments in these new technologies continue uh, on about the same pace uh, as they were in the prior study. Have these investments, along with the effort to make operations more energy efficient, helped to actually reduce the level of greenhouse gases that are going into the atmosphere? What did you find? Well, we didn't do a, uh, an analysis of the payoff of these investments, although we're, we are planning on doing that. But it, it is logical to assume that if, if factories and refineries and uh, automobiles and everything else are more efficient and producing less greenhouse gases, and they would not have occurred without the investments, yes, there's, there's certainly a, a nexus between the investments and the uh, decade lo- decades-long 
improvement in North Americans' carbon intensity. Uh, while, uh, let's see, last year, in fact, 2008 was the first year there was a, a major drop in greenhouse gas emissions. Part of that was, a, was due to the recession. Part of that was due to the technology investments and their success. Uh, and trying to unravel how much is due to which is uh, the subject of our next hoped-for project. Well, good, and that's exactly what I'd like to ask you about. So as we move forward, is it likely that carbon dioxide emissions, because of the investments that have been made in the past, um, will actually decrease? Uh, Will you be able to quantify the amount of carbon dioxide likely to be emitted from perhaps other countries as well? It's more complex uh, than it would appear at first blush. Some of the technologies are competing in a... um, multi-competitor environment, and and other technologies are more straightforward. And I'll give you an example of the multi-competitor environment. Liquefied natural gas is a a critical component of meeting uh, North Americans' demand for natural gas. Natural gas is much less carbon intensive than, say, coal. Uh, The question becomes, does that liquefied natural gas that is brought in compete against other sources of natural gas, or is it a, is it a gas on coal substitution? If it's, a ga- if it's all gas on coal, then the, then the uh, calculus is pretty straightforward, but the market is a little more complex than that. So we have to make some educated assumptions about what sort of substitutions are going to take place, what overall economic growth is going to be. Uh, it's one thing to uh, predict carbon dioxide emission reductions given a a static economy, but we know the economy is not going to be static. So what we will probably look at is, uh, as I mentioned earlier, carbon intensity. Is our overall carbon intensity decreasing to allow for economic growth and population growth while at the same time uh, reducing, at the very least, the growth in carbon dioxide emissions. Do you see that perhaps with the voluntary efforts that have been made so far that U.S. industry appears to be headed that direction? Well, they they certainly have been. As I mentioned for the last uh, decade and a half, carbon intensity of the U.S. economy has continued to improve. Uh, We are one of the most carbon efficient economies in the world. So I think the voluntary and the self-interested investments, even though they may not be done with the explicit intent of reducing greenhouse gas emissions, it's the end result of reduced greenhouse gas emissions that are the key. And I think the, the main lesson of this study is that the voluntary approach, the self-interested approach, the Adam Smith approach, is really effective, and we don't know about the other approaches. Very interesting information, Tom. And, of course, it's all critically important now during Congress's debate over a climate bill. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing this information with us today on Energy Tomorrow Radio. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us on Energy Tomorrow Radio, brought to you by the people of America's oil and natural gas industry. For more information about this podcast or to submit questions for future shows, visit energytomorrow.org. That's energytomorrow.org.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.